Have you ever just wanted someone to walk alongside you as you do the thing? The thing that makes your heart come alive and leaves our world just a little bit more like Jesus than we found it. I'm a girl wildly passionate about cheering on my friends in the pursuit of making God known through their unique calling. So buckle up because I'll gather up my favorite seasoned and rising leaders in their fields to share inspirational stories, strategic advice, and hard-won wisdom. I'm your host, Rebecca Dotson-George, and welcome to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. You're listening to episode 23 of the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. The music in the background is the song Not By Might by the band All Things New. If you have not listened to their episode already, please go back to the very beginning of the show. It was one of the first interviews I did, and it was so much fun. And today on the show, we have Mary Wiley. Mary is an author and just released her book, Everyday Theology, and we had so such a great conversation about just her passion and desire to just equip women to study the Word of God. It was so fun to get to know her, and I think you're just going to fall in love with her just like I did. So let me introduce you to my new friend, Mary. Okay, Mary, I am so excited to have you on the show today. So would you care to start us out by just telling us a little bit about yourself, about your career, all the things? Yeah, well, thank you for having me. So I'm Mary Wiley. I, uh, in my day job, work with B&H Publishing Group, leading the marketing team, and uh, also just have been really burdened for women. So I would say that my uh, kind of the life goal or, or what I feel like the Lord has really called me to do with my life is to convey biblical truths to women uh, in ways that are really accessible and understandable and applicable. And so I think I get to do that at work through uh, the work of books, but I also get to do that through the work of writing and podcasting and things like that. Um, and as far as when I'm not doing actual work, um, I'm hanging out at home with my husband and two almost four-year-olds. Uh, so we have two that are just four months apart and our three-year-old are turned four uh, in just a couple of days. And so we stay really busy, uh, especially in this season where kids are home with us. Um, and so it's been, it's been sweet. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. Okay. I have a, a nerdy question because I love getting yes. people. So at B and H, is this more of like you're leading the team that partners with like authors through the writing process, or is this like the brand side of B and H or both? So it's both and. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's cool. both and. That's it's awesome. really fun. Yeah, yeah, that's so great. That's cool. So recently, Mary, you released a book called Everyday Theology. And so that's kind of why we're here today is to have you unpack yeah. the book and tell listeners all about it. So I'd love to start by having you talk about just how God put the felt need of the book, you know, on your heart. How long did you work on it? Tell us all about kind of the behind yeah. the scenes of how it came to be. So uh, behind the scenes, it is not a glamorous story like some would probably hope. Uh, behind the scenes, what was happening is I was serving in my local church uh, as interim children's minister uh, for a season. Now, I had served as a children's minister during college and had worked on the children's curriculum team at Lifeway at the time. So I was actually writing and editing the curriculum that this church was using. And so um 
was able to come in and kind of help them along the way, but then also was getting tons of messages from moms who were saying, hey, my kid just started asking about the Trinity or about how they learned that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. And I have no idea how to explain that. I'm way out of my league here. Um, and so I was able to walk with a lot of moms through helping their kids better understand the truths of scripture. And so as I just kind of walked with them through that, uh, these are women who've been in the church their whole life. Uh, they are incredibly godly, incredibly faithful, want to do uh, what God has called them to do, and yet uh, didn't necessarily know some of the overarching truths of scripture that we would define as theology. So theology is really a fancy word that just means the study or ology, the study of God. Um, and so although it sounds like something that should probably be limited to people who have lots of letters after their names, it's actually for all of us and for our everyday life. And so as I talked with these women and as I met with other church leaders, what I was realizing was we need an accessible resource that can help us understand these truths and apply them to our lives. And so I think a lot of us had heard about the Trinity or we've heard about uh, Christology or the study of Jesus and how he is 100% God and 100% man. And yet to really apply that to our lives, like why does that matter uh, when I'm home with my kids and they're being crazy? Why does, why do the truths of scripture matter when I'm in my car driving to work? Uh, and so the heart of this study is to really help people understand why these truths do matter. So when we talk about how long this has kind of been in process, so um, I wrote this about three years ago at this point, which is incredibly wow. hard to believe, for my local church. And so uh, I had kind of scoured the internet and tried to find a resource like this. Uh, and now I was a theology nerd from like basically conception. I mean, I was one of those kids. My that, kind of girl. <laughs> yes. I mean, I was one of those kids that would like march into my pastor's office and be like, I have 47 questions. And he'd be like, can you tell me what they are? And then come back next week because I'm going to need, I'm going to need a minute. Um, and so as a teenager, I was gifted my first copy of systematic theology, which you would have thought it was Christmas morning. Like I was so excited and ended up reading it like cover to cover. My youth minister was like, that's not why I gave you that. And that's not actually how you use resources like this. Like these are reference books. You don't necessarily read them cover to cover. Um, but I did. And I was just so in love with the truths that were in scripture and just wanted to know more. I was so hungry for that knowledge so that I could then apply it to my life and and ultimately live in faith. And so uh, I did not want to hand the women in my church a copy of Systematic Theology. Uh, if you haven't seen Grudem's or Danny Aiken's, uh, they're more than a thousand pages. They're really hefty. Uh, they can get really in the weeds of here's what scholars believe on these like niche topics. And I was like, we just need something really accessible to help apply 
uh, these truths to, to the women's lives. And so we walked through it. Um, I wrote it as I taught it, which is not a recommended way to do anything. Um, wow. I'd gotten about halfway through and then was like, okay, well, we're going to have to write to keep up here. And so there were lots of weeks where I was like, your homework for next week will be available next week. That's, <laughs> this is how we're, this is going to happen. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so we taught it, I taught it and then taught it a couple more times as more people kind of wanted to be a part. And, um, because of working at Lifeway, I, uh, also am contractually bound, uh, before handing it to some other pastors who had asked for it to pass it through some of our teams. Um, and so I kind of just sent it and was like, Hey, can you guys tell me no really fast so I can give this to my friends? That'd be great. Uh, and, and, uh, for some weird reason they saw, they saw it meet a need that might be in other churches. And so they, uh, they picked it up, which was really kind of them and has been a really uh, just sweet journey. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of how it came to fruition. And it's been cool to kind of see what God did in my church uh, as women began to understand this and to really apply it and live out these truths in their daily lives. It's been really cool to get emails and social messages that are saying like, here is what God is doing in my church or in my life because of these truths. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really, really sweet. That's so fun. So were you one of these gals that like grew up knowing you wanted to write a book one day when you started this journey, did you think maybe this could be a book one day? You know, I have always loved to write. I was the kid that, I mean, the amount of ridiculous short stories and like novels that I started as a child that my mom has kind of held on to is just, it's a bit overwhelming. Most of them are really terrible. Praise the Lord. The internet was not really a thing when I was a kid. Cause I mm-hmm. definitely would have been like, read my cool story. <laughs> um, and it would have not gone well for any of us, but, um, I had always wanted to write, had always wanted to write in a way that could edify the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in my sweet little small mind, I never really thought this would be what I kind of started with. Um, I saw that it was a need in my church and just wanted to meet that need. And so um, I was a little short-sighted in that. But I think in a way, uh, the Lord used that to really like, keep some humility and to keep uh, some purpose within the writing that didn't get lost in the, let me write this for everyone. uh, Because I was able to like write it for my friends who needed it. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. I'm actually working on the manuscript for whatever my first book is going to be. I don't know what God's going to do with the process and how it's going to get into readers hands, all of that yet. But it seemed to me like you might be the type of person that had always kind of had that, that dream. And so that's really cool that God, God's put you in this position in a corporate role to help walk alongside other authors and kind of have that creative piece and that mind, but also that you're sitting in the desk where it made it possible for God to move in that way for this to come to be in a really cool way. So that's, that's really neat. I love that. So let's go back to, so you defined theology, right? The study of God. And so what would you say to women who maybe feel intimidated by the word theology for whatever reason, whether, whether they're a new believer and they've just maybe not heard that word, or maybe like you said, like the women in your church who are faithful and who have been walking with God for a long time, but maybe they're just scared of that word. What would you say to encourage them? And how do you think this book kind of meets them in that? 
That's a great question. Um, so I think what is really helpful to understand is that we all are operating out of some theology, uh, whether we identify it or not. We're all making decisions based on what we deeply believe is true. And so a lot of that has to do with how we view God. And so I think A.W. Tozer said it first, but he said, like, what you think of when you think about God is actually the most important thing about you. And that is the center of theology, is that it is redefining, realigning with scripture uh, what we think of when we think about God. And so often uh, what I think is one of the most accessible ways to describe this too is like when we all have different variations of what we believe a good father is. Of course, we, we call God a good father often, but we bring a lot of what we have experienced with our earthly fathers into the reading of that text. And so what we actually need is for the Bible to define what a good father is rather than for us to define it from our point of view. And so theology is just that. It is defining what God has said about things, not from how we feel about them or how we kind of experience the world, but instead what God has told us to be true in scripture. And so often we can paint a picture of God that looks a lot more like us than it should uh, because we're, we're identifying him with what we know to be true about people rather than what we know to be true about God. And so um, what I would say to someone who feels intimidated by studying theology, I would say you're already studying theology. Every time you open your Bible, you're studying about God. You're, you're opening up his word to learn about him. Um, you're already studying theology because you are drawing truths from what does happen in the world. Uh, when God is doing things and when he's sustaining all of creation every single day, we're knowing that God is sustaining and, um, you know, renewing and giving life to all of these things. Now, if we don't stop for a minute to think about that, we might assign that power or that movement to someone or something other than God. Uh, but we know that scripture tells us that God isn't just a clock or a watchmaker who created the world and then kind of stepped away, but that he's actively involved in our everyday. And so, uh, I think for me, knowing that God is actively involved in our everyday makes me want to know more about him, makes me want to um, just know him more so that I can worship him more rightly. Uh, and the goal of theology is never to just know more. Yeah, I am someone who loves knowledge. Like, give me a computer and an hour to search YouTube and Google, and I will have learned a new skill because... I love to learn. My husband kind of makes fun of me because I just finished seminary, I guess, six months ago. And he told me I wasn't allowed to do any more school for six months. He was like, we are not going to talk about more school. We're not going <laughs> to like consider it. You got to give us six months and then we can, we'll, we'll decide what we need to do from there. But I love to learn. Now, some people don't, some people are not readers and they don't love that process. But what we know to be true about God's word is that it isn't just a literature, a, a literature book like we would study in a college class, uh, but that God's word is alive and active and that it never returns void. Mm -hmm. And so this study of theology is going to God's word and asking the Holy Spirit to illuminate it for us. 
uh, that studying theology doesn't really rely on our IQ or on our ability to understand, but is an opportunity for God to move in our hearts and our lives and our minds so that we might worship him more rightly. The goal of theology is not knowledge. It is worship every time. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like the perfect segue into our next question. Okay. Well, let me stop you for one second. Where'd you go to seminary? Uh, I went to Southern cool. uh, in Louisville. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. My husband is dangerously close to finishing. Anyway, that's cool. Congratulations yeah. that you finished. That's Thank great. you. It was a very long, long, long journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So kind of going back to, you know, the study of theology really points us to a heart of worship. So yeah. W- let's talk about just the difference between knowing about God. So the study of theology, but back to what you're saying of difference between knowing God and knowing about God, I guess is what I'm saying. So let's talk about that. Yeah. I think often uh, we'll see people view God as kind of a Facebook friend. Uh, And I think in a lot of cases, we all have thousands of Facebook friends that maybe we know about, Uh, A lot of those, I will certainly say, a lot of those are people that I don't necessarily know well. Um, Maybe our our paths crossed at one time in life or another, and we haven't been able to keep up because how do you keep up with thousands of people at the same time? I'm not good at it. I don't know if you are, Um, but I I struggle. But we know about those people. We pop in and out of their lives, uh, but we may not know them. We don't know them deeply and intimately. We don't know the inner workings of their heart or what they desire or like what their life goal is in most cases, unless they're posting about that on the internet and, and some do, and that's fine. Um, but in a lot of cases, uh, that is more of a knowing about someone than a knowing someone. Um, when I think about knowing someone, I think about my kids of mm-hmm. like they, um, well, and we have one child who we had the honor of adopting. We got him when mm-hmm. he was really, really small. He was just two or three days old. And um, he is just, a jewel. Uh, and now our biological child is wired exactly like me. And she is a little harder to handle. She just <laughs> is. Um, she will look at us and say, send me to timeout. I don't care. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, while that, while I figure out what might work, you please go sit in timeout. Mm-hmm. Um, this is obviously not working, but what I think about, uh, when I think about knowing someone is often, I know exactly how she's going to respond to something mm-hmm. because in a lot of ways, she is very similar to me. Um, and I think when we look at God and we say we are in his image, we are, uh, those who are, are reflecting him in the way that he has dominion over things and the way that he's relational, uh, in the way that he is intellectual and moral and uh, all of these things, all of these ways we are like him. Um, we see a reflection of his image in us. And yet we see perfectly when we go to him. Uh, We let him identify what those things are in our lives that need to look like him. And so uh, I know my daughter really, really well, and God knows his children really, really well, but she also knows how I'm going to respond in most cases. Uh, When she does something wrong, there are lots of days when she goes and puts herself in timeout um, because she knows me, but she also knows my heart. And so she knows that when she goes to timeout, she's not going to sit there forever, that in about three minutes, she's going to get to get out and she's going to say she's sorry. And that all is well, that her mom loves her and that she's not going anywhere. uh, And that 
it is always okay to tell the truth and to admit you're wrong to me. Um, and in the same way, I see the heart of the father to say, like, I want to know you and be known by you. Um, and so he, he intimately knows us and we just want to return kind of that knowledge of him to, to our lives, to him, uh, in that way. And so what it looks like is, uh, my daughter making decisions based on how she knows I'm going to respond, uh, her choosing to obey because she knows what the consequence is, her choosing to crawl up in my lap when she's sad because she knows how I'm going to respond and I'm going to comfort. Uh, and in the same way, we don't want to just know that God is good as if he's some like far off distant thing that um, is good, but isn't good to us, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, instead, he wants us to come to him and crawl up in his lap knowing that he is good and that he is going to comfort us um, specifically. Uh, and I'm sure that this will air in a season where we're still within uh, a global pandemic. And what a time to be reminded that God isn't just these things that we say he is on a textbook. Um, he isn't just good and faithful and kind and peace and hope in some far off weird land where we believe that those things are true, but they don't really apply to our lives because we don't know them deeply. We don't know him deeply. Uh, but it is in these moments that we get to look to God and say, I believe that these are true uh, because scripture says that they are continue to apply them to my heart, continue to remind me of your faithfulness, continue to show me your goodness. Uh, and that's what it looks like to really know him. Uh, we can easily use our minds and say all of these things are true or false or however we want to categorize them. Uh, but when they really dwell deeply in our hearts is when uh, we, we kind of transition from that knowing about him and knowing him that it really is a relationship where he is instructing us and we're talking to him and he's advocating for us and we are seeking to, to be good representatives of him here as we as we serve our neighbors well in this weird time and and we seek to to be a good picture of him so I think I talked in circles I don't know if that really answered your yes, question yes absolutely even, it did but here we are so. I love it I love it so you know writing a book is a process a hard yes. long process right so in your own experience what did you see God do in you as you walked through this process of writing this book? Absolutely. I mean, God really uh, just reminded me of who he is over and over and over again as I kind of walked through this process of like, what do people really need to know? What are those essential truths of the Christian faith that people need to know to be able to really understand who God is, what he does, and what he's doing in the world. Uh, and so for me, it was a constant reminder of God's goodness, of his faithfulness to even give us scripture to study uh, and just continue to be overwhelmed by the kindness of God that he would explain himself. He would tell us how the story ends. He would tell us how all of these things work, um, but also overwhelmed at just uh, the incomprehensibility of God and how he is both near uh, and, and so like with us every day, the Holy Spirit is within us, um, that he is advocating for us at the right hand of the father, all of these truths that are so endearing and so near, but that he also is holding 
all of creation in his hands, sustaining it, you know, continuing to, to have the sun rise in the morning and set in the afternoon. And um, it gave me a real just awareness of God in my everyday life to say what I'm choosing to eat for lunch does actually come from a deep decision of what I believe is true about God. Um, because what I believe about my body, what I believe about what he's created for food and how it's going to fuel me, all of that matters. Or it matters how I respond to a coworker if I'm frustrated. Like that matters because they're in God's image. And I want to be one that responds to God's image as if I'm speaking with the Father. Uh, I want to be one that is, is showing Jesus well to those who may or may not know him, no matter if I'm at Starbucks ordering coffee or if I'm at the library checking out a book or whatever it is. We want to be uh, just aware of those people around us who might need to know him. And so it gave me a deep awareness as well. Um, I think what probably was the biggest takeaway as someone who loves to learn and wants to know all the things is that God hasn't given us all the answers and that there are a lot of gray areas that he just asked us to trust him on. Um, and for someone who does want all the answers, that can be really, really challenging to say, you know what, I'm going to give it to the Lord. I'm going to let him be God. I'm not going to try to be God right now and make decisions for myself. Um, but I'm going to let him be the one who is in control and I'm going to let God be God. I'm going to let him call the shots both in my life and in the world. Uh, and there's a real peace that comes from knowing I can be uh, a part of what God is doing, but I am not the one who is holding creation in order. I'm not the one who's determining what happens with a pandemic. Now I can do my part and uh, whatever that looks like to love my neighbors well, but I can't control things. Um, for a lot of people, that's really scary. And through this process, I think as we learn who God is, what he's done, uh, we learn why we should believe that scripture is true, how he's uh, walked through the plan of redemption with us, what he's going to do when he returns and why he's given us the church as an outpost of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, I think what it does solidify is although we are not in control, we can trust him. Uh, God can be trusted to do what is right and good for us. Uh, and so for me, I walked out of writing this, hoping that every single day I would rest in that truth, that God is good. God is faithful. He is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. Yeah, man, that's so good. So I'm taking my small group this semester through the book, None Like Him by Jen Wilkin. Oh, so good. Mm, I figured you had read it. Yeah. So Every week we just walk away with almost the same statement of like, man, there is a layer of God that I see now that maybe, maybe I knew he was omniscient, but I hadn't thought about it, you know, to that level or, you know, I knew that he's ever present, but I hadn't really unpacked like the truth of his word to really understand just how present he is in all things, you know? Yeah. And so, um, I think there's just, there's just power in stopping and really just reflecting on mm -hmm. his character. Like, like you're saying that is unchanging, that is incomprehensible, the side of eternity. Yeah. And one thing Jen talks about in the book is, you know, we love knowledge. We crave knowledge. We are mm -hmm. in a society. Um, I think she actually called it information gluttony. We're in a society oh, yeah. that is in a state of information gluttony. And in that, 
sometimes I think it's hard to even comprehend. We can't fully comprehend God this side of heaven. And so anyway, love that book to listeners who have not read it. I feel like I've talked about it so much on the podcast lately because it just keeps coming up. Everyone should have ordered it by now. Yes. It's a wonderful book, but we all need those reminders. Yeah. Um, I am constantly going to need to continue to be reminded that God is faithful Uh, despite having written about it, despite having read about it often, I think it's a really good reminder to us to say, even you can walk through this study and I would love for you to, and I would love for God to do a work in your heart through it. But we, we won't just like 40 days in God's word, studying theology is not going to be the end all be all and be like, Oh, well, I get it. I'm done. I don't need to continue to be reminded of these truths. Uh, That is part of what I think is just the human condition is that we constantly need to be reminded that we are small compared to the grandness of our God, the goodness of our God. And I'm thankful for that too, because each time I'm reminded, I have a new awareness or a new overwhelming sense of the goodness of God, of, of who he is. Yeah. I love that. And we've talked about this a little bit in the beginning of just how God has really sort of developed this passion in you for unpacking biblical truth for women sort of as a part of your life's work, right? And so let's talk about how he developed that. You know, we've talked about that kind of pre the book, but since the book has released, what have you seen God do? Have you seen him move in even your heart kind of pointing back to this calling of yours? Sure. Well, uh, I will tell you, this is not a calling I wanted to sign up for. Um, I thought, so in college, I served with a camp ministry for kids called Center Kid, fell in love with kids ministry and thought this might be what I do with my life. I might continue to do kids ministry. I was in camp ministry full time for a season uh, right out of college as well and loved that. And so I was very comfortable, was very happy, was like, all right, this can be it. And the Lord just continued to kind of work on me and Um, just as kind of the years rolled on, I was offered a couple of different roles, like working specifically with women. And I said, no, a lot of times, uh, I was like, I don't want to do that. Women are scary. I don't have any desire to serve in this way. Um, and yet, uh, the Lord, of course, it always happens when you're like, I'm not going to do that. The Lord's like, (laughs) okay, okay. just give us a minute. Uh, and so the Lord just very gently as he does, uh, continue to kind of impress upon my heart, like serve where there's a need, serve where, uh, I've gifted you to serve and, uh, serve where opportunities arise. And so, uh, was serving with my church quite often and teaching in the women's ministry and just the Lord continued to kind of just give me glimpses into what he was doing in the lives of women and help me fall deeper and deeper in love with serving, uh, serving women. Um, and so, uh, yeah, in this season post Bible study, uh, writing, and I still feel very much engaged. I mean, I'm walking through it even with like coworkers right now and, I'm loving seeing, uh, also that's really intimidating. First of all, first of all, a lot of them are like editors. And so I'm like, okay, let's uh, not talk about the writing here. Let's ignore this mistake. Uh, But uh, it has been really encouraging just to watch God do 
what is beyond anything that I could do. Uh, I did argue with my editor a lot. I was like, can we like put someone else's name on the front of the book? Like, I don't really want to be the person this is connected to. Um, and uh, because I, I don't ever want it to be about me. Like, I don't want anyone to ever say, man, I learned so much through Mary Wiley's study. And that is, you know, she's the one that's helping me understand scripture. I would rather uh, people say, this book has been a vessel for me to better know God and that God is moving through his word. Um, and I've always said, even in the intro, I'm like, there are things that you can certainly disagree with. Like if it is not something I've asked you to read from scripture, feel free to disagree. Feel free to like mark it up and be like, this story is ridiculous that she just told. Um, because it's not about necessarily the words that I wrote, but it's about God's word and what he's doing through that word that is alive and active. And so um, I, I think God has just continued to pull me deeper into what does it look like to serve well, to be willing to serve wherever there's a need, uh, but specifically within this calling to continue to uh, cultivate these opportunities. I think that theology happens best in community. Uh, I think theology happens best within a church family uh, because it is really beneficial for us to talk about these things and to see the other side in a lot of cases. And, and in the study, I have tried really hard to say, here's kind of where I land, but this mm -hmm. is not something that's like, it, your salvation does not depend on what you believe about this. I think end times is a great picture of that. Uh, I, I think it's really helpful for us to be able to kind of talk about those things and say, well, here's what I'm reading from this text. What are, what are you seeing? Um, and so I want people to wrestle with things in community. And so I think uh, as God continues to call me deeper into how do we help women better understand God's word, I want it to be something that they can wrestle with together in community um, and something that I want to model well in the local church. Like my heart is the local church. And if God wants to use things that are created or are taught in the local church for a broader purpose, then by all means, like I want to resource the church and edify the church however I can. Uh, but my heart is those women that I get to see. Well, I get to see on Wednesdays and Sundays when we're not, you know, uh, sheltering in place but I get to see them on the internet right now which has been really fun uh, as we continue to kind of explore what what doing theology and community looks like uh, in this season uh, but, but that is my heart and I think God will continue and has continued to strengthen that uh, both before and after the process of this book. I love it I love it and I mean what better time to kind of grab your people and like we're talking about doing, you know, your small group over zoom or whatever it is that you're choosing for listeners who maybe, maybe you're still in that boat or um, maybe at the time where you're listening to this episode, you're, you're past COVID-19. Yes. You know, this is still an awesome thing to take your people through. So I think um, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have Mary on was so she could mm -hmm. share all about it. And um, hopefully some of you guys who are leading women um, will choose to maybe take your people through it. I think that that'd be an awesome thing. This is one I was looking at possibly to do either on a larger scale with our women or maybe with my, my small group of my people. I'm not oh, sure yet, awesome. but um, I'd be excited to take even some of our young moms through it. I think that is the group of people that kind of come to my mind and my heart when, when I talk about and, and think about the book. So 
I love it. So there's one question that I always end every episode. I ask every guest and it's my favorite. And that is what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? So I really struggle with questions that are like, what is the best yeah. of anything? Cause I'm always like, well, I've heard a lot of really great advice. So I'm going to give you one that was really great. It's the best one I can think of for today. Uh, I am sure that there are many others that by the time we get off of this call and be like, well, I wish I had said that. I wish I'd thought about that when I was preparing. Um, but the best piece of advice I think that I have ever been given is that you walk with Christ day to day. Um, as a planner who wants to know a five-year and a 10-year plan, I want to know how to tackle all the things. Um, I'm a three on the Enneagram. And so, Me too. I, yes, I want to just like do as much as I can, um, as fast as I can. And uh, I am not one that rests well. Um, I'm not one that calms down and allows God to remind me that I am created and that I am not... Uh, energy, like full of energy that never fails. Um, and God has really had to teach me that we walk every day, one step at a time with him and that he will give us what I, what we need for the day. Now we are given the light we need for our path today. That God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. That does not mean that the, the light he's shining, that we're going to open scripture and he's going to be like, Hey Mary, in 10 years, this is what your life needs to look like. And sometimes we read scripture that way. We want God to kind of speak from the cloud and tell us exactly what we need. Um, and I'll tell you, when I was given this advice, uh, was actually when we brought our little boy home from uh, the hospital. So we were pregnant already with our little girl. We had found out she was a girl on Wednesday, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, we told all of our family on Thanksgiving day. It was a good, good fun time. A lot of our family was like, we really thought it was going to be a boy. We're kind of sad, uh, which I didn't really know how to take, but, um, about three days later, I guess on Saturday. So we came home and, uh, we had only been home for a few hours and I got a phone call. We had been foster parents. But all of the placements that they had tried to place us thus far had been like for six and we only had two open beds. And so legally, uh, it wouldn't, wouldn't have been allowed. They just, uh, you know, we're kind of desperate for having a family to help some of these larger groups. Um, and so I got a phone call and, uh, they said a baby's been dropped off at the hospital. Uh, you have about 10 minutes to decide if you'd like him to come to your home. Um, and this is probably an adoption situation. So my husband wasn't even home. Uh, I hung up. I was like, yeah, uh, can I like talk to my husband and call you back real quick? And so I called my husband and I um, was just kind of like, you're not going to believe this. I don't know what we should do, but we had asked God to allow us to adopt from the foster system, uh, but we had not specified the timing of how we would kind of like that to go down. Not that we get to play uh, God and tell him kind of boss him around that uh, I do kind of always joke and say, we didn't really tell God when we wanted that to happen. And we just really, uh, as we talked about it, we were like, we can't tell God no for something we asked for. Like this is an answer to prayer. It's not the way we expected it to happen, but like we can't, we have to say yes to this. And so the whole time we're thinking we are crazy. Everyone we know is going to think we are insane. Um, like how do we even tell them that we've made this decision? Because literally they're going to be like, you guys do not know what you're doing. You're crazy. 
And I remember, uh, so we, we called them back. We said, yes, we immediately got in the car to drive to target to buy a car seat because at the time we owned basically nothing for babies. I did own a book I had planned to read about raising children, but you know, uh, that was a little, I, I, I thought I still had four months to read that book. And so, um, I remember at the day before we were going to pick Caleb up, we knew, uh, he was going to be ours. We knew we needed to be prepared. Uh, and we, Sunday, we went to church. In our sweet church, I mean, you, Rebecca, you would not believe the way they were Jesus's hands and feet to us. Um, it was a picture of exactly what the church should be. But I remember talking to my pastor's wife and I said, Ashley, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I was going to read this book. And I didn't even get to read the book. Like, I have no idea. I do not know how to raise a child. Like, I've not even really been around a lot of baby babies. I, I don't know what I'm doing. And she said, you walk every day with the Lord. And then she also was like, practically, you feed him and you bathe him and you change him and you keep him alive and everything is fine. She's like, Mary thousands and thousands and thousands of women have been doing this for a long, long time before there were books and before there was the internet. And I think you're going to be okay. Um, but she was quick to tell me, keep your eyes on Christ and walk day to day. And he's going to give you what you need for the day. Uh, and that has stuck with me. It seems so simple. Uh, and yet, um, I often, even in times of anxiety or in times when, um, I don't know what to do when you're kind of in those situations where you're like, well, here we are, have no idea where to go from here. Uh, I just constantly feel the Lord kind of saying, Hey, just walk with me day by day. I'll give you what you need today. You do not need to worry about tomorrow. Uh, don't I clothe the flowers of the field and the birds of the air? And don't I care more about you? Mm, that's such good advice. I love that. So Mary, tell listeners how they can find every, everyday theology, how they can follow you, all of the things. Yeah. Well, thank you for the opportunity to even talk about this, but uh, everyday theology is available pretty much anywhere books are sold. Lifeway.com is uh, in this COVID-19 pandemic. I think what is helpful to know is Lifeway.com is still shipping books really quickly um, in a season where a lot of other online retailers are not able to do so. And so uh, it's available online um, and you can connect with me on social. I'm at Mary C. Wiley pretty much everywhere at marycwiley.com is uh, the website and then everyday theology podcast uh, which is also a part of the questions kids ask podcast which actually was created to meet the exact same need that this study was awesome i love it well mary thank you so much for coming on the show today this has been so much fun yeah thank you so much for having me Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you need anything from me at all, I'm super easy to find Rebecca Dotson George on Instagram and Facebook. I'd love to connect with you and hear how the show is encouraging you. And hey, let's help make it possible for even more listeners to be encouraged by hearing stories of my people doing the thing. There's a couple ways you can do that. One, by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And two, screenshot the show and share it on your Instagram stories. Oh, and make sure you tag me there so we can connect as well. All right. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. And thanks so much for listening to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast.